Do you know that feeling in the pit of your stomach on a Sunday night when you think about the week ahead? Friends of the pod, Melissa and Jonathan Nightingale, are on a mission to fix that feeling. The Nightingales write a free bi-weekly newsletter about work that's funny, no bullshit, and eerily spot on. They call it the world's best newsletter, but I think my own newsletter is pretty great, so you can find theirs at worldssecondbestnewsletter.com. It's not a joke. I mean, it is a joke, but that's actually where you can find it. worldssecondbestnewsletter.com. Hey, everyone. I wanted to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, Vibe Check. Sam Sanders and his two best friends, Saeed Jones and journalist and Tony Award-winning producer Zach Stafford, have a podcast where they make sense of what's going on in the news and culture. From Elon Musk and foreign policy to how to deal with a breakup and SZA's new album, they check out the vibe of what's going on in the world and how it all feels. It's your favorite group chat just come to life. You can join every Wednesday and listen and follow Vibe Check wherever you get your podcasts. It's usually pretty clean, a coach's website. Very clean. Um, there's one big picture at the top, like a banner, you know, that goes all the way across the page, like full bleed photo yes. um, of them. Yes. <laughs> and it's like a million filters <laughs> on it. Um, and they're like just looking so happy with life. I didn't see anywhere they were like making a serious face, but they're just like thrilled to be here. I feel like sometimes, depending on the type of coach, sometimes it's like very LinkedIn professional type photo. Yeah. And then sometimes it's like, I'm living my best life. Like they're outdoors. It's like a cover of O magazine <laughs> is what it always looks like to me. <laughs> like a different like cover of O magazine. All of these people are like, what if I were Oprah? How would I feel yeah, about exactly. my life? No, that's literally what they're thinking. Because she's like the world's most famous life coach, right? There's lots of keywords too, right? Yeah. Then there will be like a phrase like the what's up legend guy. <laughs> he he just had like lots of quotes like, you're fuck up your life in a good way. <laughs> like that kind of thing. Yeah, there's like aggro life coach that's like tough love. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to swear at you to make you love yourself. Um, yes. And then there's like gentle. Yeah, gentle. Like hailing. Like, yes. Have you felt out of touch with your ambition? Like, yeah. Or your femininity. Oh. There's yeah. always the, like, get in touch with your feminine. Or masculinity, whatever. right? Or like, masculinity, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, do you want to be the dad you've always wanted to be and the businessman mm -hmm. you've always wanted to be? Just stop being a jerk. <laughs> that is going to cost the listeners $99. <laughs> stop being Quit such being an a asshole. Dick. <laughs> Think about your family. Work harder. You're listening to the Culture Study Podcast, and I am Anne Helen Peterson. And I'm Jane Marie, co-host of Culture Study for today, <laughs> but I host The Dream all the rest of the days. Okay, so first, this is season three of The Dream. Can you yes. quickly tell us the other two seasons? So the first season was about multi-level marketing. Mm -hmm. So that's your Avons and LuLaRoes and Tupperwares. Um, a little bit about history, a little bit about policy, mostly about why... Uh, there are legal pyramid schemes <laughs> operating yeah. all yeah. over the world. Yeah. That was season one. And then a lot of MLMs sell wellness products, which got us thinking about doing a season around wellness and the Gwynethy part of the world. And so we did a whole season about wellness. And now, um, naturally, 
that led to life coaching. A lot of MLMs and wellness companies have some sort of coaching aspect to keep revenue flowing, honestly. Um, You know, um, if people are selling an MLM or if they're a devotee of a wellness product, you kind of have them in your snares and can say, well, the next thing you need to do is change your mindset. And we can offer you that for the low, low price of all your money. (laughs) I'll just make a pitch here for episode three of season three. Um, uh-huh. When you interview a woman and like an incredibly intelligent and perceptive woman who was involved, deeply involved in an Jennifer. MLM that yeah. then transitioned into being deeply involved in a personal coaching scheme. And yeah. like that episode is just like, whew, like everything She didn't is say this, but I would call Jennifer like gifted, you know, like she's really smart. She's really accomplished. She's... um crazy ambitious and somehow she got sucked first of all into an MLM um she was at a kind of depressing part of her point in her career she was a social worker and she had to work on like a infant death case and then um she was pregnant and um if you've ever been pregnant it's not the coolest <laughs> i don't think <laughs> It's not the most chill time. So going through that and then her job being really stressful, a friend kind of lured her into this MLM, but it didn't stop there. She did that for about eight years and then she um, joined a coaching cult. And the my favorite part is like you went to go visit her and you guys got to sit mm-hmm. down with like the documents. Oh, which yeah. are incredibly rich text. Like how there they were buckets like and buckets. I mean, there she had like file like Mar-a-Lago file amounts of of documents <laughs> and she had like a great awakening where like something's like a, a switch flipped in her brain and she was like wow now i can see all of this from like how manipulative it was like mm-hmm. how they were really preying on these different like vulnerabilities in me and in other people but then just the way that they like encourage you to seek out and create connections with other people so that oh god you can the, then, what like, was it the drip list yes the drip list the was drip the thing list. that like sticks in my head it's i the drip. so thought she was joking <laughs> and i'm sitting across from her and she has it in her lap it's like a spiral bound kind of notebook thing but like a hardcover you know like yeah. like a trapper keeper whatever yeah <laughs> like yeah, the yeah. adult version white of a plastic keeper. white plastic i can like yeah feel and it. like maybe it said like believe on the cover or something you know <laughs> yes so it was one of those and it literally said drip list at the top of one of the pages after i asked her if that was really what like i thought it was a not a joke but like some shorthand that like nobody i felt the same way in season 1 when i heard about the husband unaware plan for mary kay <laughs> yeah. and i was like you're making that up right and <laughs> my friend katie was like no that's a thing that's like a branded thing at mary kay is just spend money that your husband is not aware of on your mary kay business so yeah those things kind of are everywhere in like the, the quiet part said aloud Said out loud. Yeah. Yeah, just be proud. Be loud and proud about it. So the drip list was like people that she's supposed to drip attention on quietly and kind of surreptitiously. Like praise them. Yeah, before recruiting them. Like don't tell them. I mean, it's pure manipulation and like and lying to people that she otherwise cared about. She said like, 
you know, there's people on this list that I would have actually wanted to be friends with, but I was only thinking about how to use them. Yeah. It's an incredibly like manipulative, utilitarian, capitalist understanding of like connection. And I think yeah. like there's other things in our lives that we could also take that perspective on. But OK, we're going to get more into this. Usually we chit chat even more about like these larger philosophical ideological questions. But I think we have a question that's going to let us get into that. And it's okay. very succinct. So this is from Emily. and We're going to answer it first. I've noticed that a lot of women in their 30s are becoming some type of personal coach, a fitness coach, a life coach, a business coach, etc. But they all seem to pursue a coaching career after completing some type of personal coaching for themselves. So my question, is personal coaching an MLM scheme where coaches not only coach, but recruit new coaches? <laughs> this hey, We don't know how old Emily is, but I'm guessing late 30s. Okay. I was going to say our age, which is not, I'm not in my late 30s. I, I'm early but, um, 40s. So yeah, late 30s, early yeah. 40s, that larger, you know. I'm about to enter my late 40s. Wow. So are these MLM schemes? So, you know, the key to something being an MLM is the recruitment part. I will yeah. say my coach never once suggested that I would be good at this. Mm. Like she was never like, you know what you should do now? join my coaching program. Right. Um, and I would have been suspicious of her if, if she had, because yeah. I went to her because my life was fucked up. Like, I wasn't going to her because I had anything figured out at all. Or like, although I do give advice online, you know, and like advice columns and stuff, but I, I let people know I'm an idiot mostly or whatever. <laughs> and then we just have fun talking about gossy stuff. But I, I think it's that part of it of like, Sign up for this, and now you can do it too. That is what an MLM is. Yeah. And if there's a reward for the person recruiting you. And the whole, you know, like, if they get the line thing. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Can you explain what a yeah. line is for people who aren't as familiar with the MLMs downline as we are? Yeah. So at the top of a pyramid scheme is the person who started it. And then they recruit, you know, five people to be, like, the next level and then if those people also recruit five people, there's another level with 25 people in it, right? And then if those 25 people recruit five people, I'm losing my math already. Yeah. But it gets exponentially huger and huger. Yep. And um, if you're building a downline or a team, if they use the word like my team, mm -hmm. not to mean like my department at work, but like the team I built, like that's a sure sign that you're in an MLM or you're dealing with something like it. I mean – Nexium was an MLM. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's just, that was just a straight up coaching cult. Yeah. But they were you promised amass, rewards. You amass more power within the organization. Sometimes it's money and sometimes that's yep. just like stature. Status. The yeah. 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 I mean, they, they did in Nexium, for example, they did offer like kickbacks on more programs. Like, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. You can. Go to the next level for only five thousand dollars instead of ten if you recruit ten people. Yeah. Um. So it felt like getting a discount on yeah. a thing that you probably shouldn't be spending your money on in the first place. Um. So yeah, to answer the question, some are for sure, and that's the hard part is figuring it out. <laughs> you know, the thing that I think about with MLM schemes is there's some that are like so obvious that mm -hmm. that's what's happening, and then there are others that use some of the like the structure 
in a way that makes it very hard to see outside of it. So like when I talk yes. about academia as an MLM, because once you mm -hmm. get into academia, like you have to keep buying into the ideology and then like get right. more graduate students to then be, you know, provide the labor for you. Like it just, it goes down right. and it's not necessarily that the next generation of graduate students is paying you per se, but they make your existence possible. Right. Um, or something like yoga teacher training, mm -hmm. which it's like, okay, I need, to, <laughs> I need to get my students to do a yoga teacher training with me because otherwise I won't make enough money to be a yoga it's teacher. It's honoring <laughs> sunk costs, the sunk cost fallacy, I think, yeah. which gets us in the most trouble here. Yeah. You could, with all great intentions and with somebody really nice recruiting you who doesn't have bad intentions either, find yourself in one of these schemes. But pretty quickly, you start to think, well, I could either keep doing it and see if the rewards are there, mm -hmm. right? And try to get my money and time out of this, or I can quit right now mm. when I'm only feeling like 40% suspicious. Yeah. And that's that just keeps us all in every bad situation <laughs> in all of our lives. Now here I am being a life coach, but like get the divorce. You know what I mean? Yeah. Forty percent suspicious. <laughs> you know, I think too, it's kind of like when people start doing therapy, which we're gonna talk about the difference between therapy and life coaching mm -hmm. later. But mm -hmm. like I have met so many people who like about six months in, they're like, I've been thinking about maybe going back to school to become a therapist. No. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Like, there's something about it that they're like, this is great. What if I could also do this kind of thing? Yeah. Again, I, I, I've i <laughs> talked about this with my therapist. Like, I was like, can you imagine if at one at the end of one of our sessions, I've been with her for like 10 years, but yeah. at the end of one of our sessions, if you were like, Jane, you know what you need to consider? <laughs> Is a therapist will never be like you should go to the <laughs> no. <laughs> You'd be better at this than me. Like no. <laughs> Whereas um, a personal yeah. coach might say that they might be like they would definitely work, say that. A you lot could help do. a lot of people. You could. You're great at this. Yeah, yeah you're very inspirational. You have. You're a badass. <laughs> badass. That's something that we forgot to mention in like the. <laughs> <laughs> in the description of what a, a personal coach does. Um, yeah, okay, so badass. another follow-up question I have from that, since we've talked a little bit about your personal coach, I'm wondering what, you know, I think it works really well in the podcast in terms of like mm -hmm. offering a, a, a secondary lens through which all of this is filtered. How do you think like in hindsight, how did it affect your view of personal coaching as an industry, having a personal coach experience yourself? You know, I've, um, believe it or not, I have the only reporting I went into with, like, decided suspicion was some of the wellness stuff, mm -hmm. mainly because I cannot stand Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, and she's also been, before we even started our reporting, she had lost a civil suit around um, the jade egg that she was telling people would maybe cure uh, their cervical cancer and stuff. Yeah. Um, and just newsflash, it won't. Um, but she was like going on late night talk shows to sell it. And she had to pay something stupid, like 150 grand, like n nothing to her. Nothing but she did get a slap on the wrist for doing that. And so going into that reporting, I felt like, ugh, you know, this reporting, I was encouraged by a lot of our listeners to to look at this world. And because I'm in LA, I know one million life coaches and mm -hmm. people I really like, like some of my friends do it, you know, 
so I wasn't like anti-life coach. It was more as we got reporting that I was like, ooh, there's some real seedy sides to this. So my coach is like a normal sweetheart who I'm still friends with. Like I don't – I can't afford her without the – budget of the show <laughs> to be honest yes <laughs> newsflash i'm not rich okay podcasting doesn't make people rich um well made three people or four people rich it, but it made like me. yeah like four there are like six people and they're all dudes yeah. um yeah they're all dudes yep <laughs> um i can think of one woman but anyways yes so i don't i can't afford the hourly rate which isn't bad i mean it's 85 bucks an hour which i think is like cheaper than most of the personal trainers around here yeah workout wise anyway i adore her i think she is a normal person there are very real reasons why she can't become a therapist um her immigration status is up in the air and you know i think she probably would do something else for a living if she could but she has kids and a family and dogs and you know a life and um this is the way she's made it work and i and i think she's really good at it yeah it allows you to like look at this entire industry not not thinking oh i'm trying to figure out how and why this entire industry is bankrupt well here's the problem with making my show is um <laughs> it kind of requires some sort of villain like it requires yeah someone in opposition to my ideas about the world. And so there are things that I'm like, fuck that. Like, that's a scam. But then I like, so for like example, I wanted to do one about the wedding industrial complex. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do a season about weddings. And then I was like, I can't just like get mad about people being in love and throwing (laughs) parties. Like, that's not, (laughs) there's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so interesting. Right. You have to be like, you can't just be like, oh, it's nuanced, right? Like, you have to start yeah, no. out being kind of mad about it. Well, you just have to know that they're, you're going to find the thing that will be in opposition to rational thinking. Yeah. Um, and not just rational, but, like, you need to find a nefarious player. And I I guess there's probably a few wedding dress designers or wedding planners <laughs> that, like, try to rip people off. But it's not, like, a grand scale institutional no scam. no the, the way the these scam other things is are. just yeah. like patriarchy plus like consumerist feminism like you know what i yeah. like there's no yeah. there's no get mad villain. at pinterest i guess i could <laughs> be like pinterest <laughs> this is all your fault like if it was a movie you could have just like pinterest personified <laughs> as like some character but yeah you can't do that all right no. let's let's transition we have a question from mary who's interested in what is behind what she perceives as like this current surge in popularity. And Melody's going to read this one for us. Is the current meteoric rise of the coaching industry driven by altruistic forces such as seeking meaning and impact in work or capitalistic forces such as seeking a side hustle due to economic insecurity? Fascinating. Oh, I have a lot of thoughts about this. Yeah. Because what we've done lately in this country, and by lately, I mean the last hundred years, is we've completely confused those two things Mm -hmm. on purpose. So we've made the pursuit of money altruistic. Yeah, We tell ourselves about trickle-down economics, right? You making money, you earning more money, it's just going to affect the economy in a positive way. Job makers. (laughs) You're job makers. Wealth hoarders are the fiction that we are all telling ourselves in order to keep us in our place is that wealth hoarders 
make everyone more wealthy. Mm-hmm. And the truth is not that at all. I mean, you can see that with the wealth gap um, yeah. and the one percenters and stuff. But I believe we, you know, it's very blurry. I don't, I think like in people's hearts, most of us are altruistic. There's like pathologies where people can't be. Mm-hmm. But I think humans are naturally, for the most part, altruistic in order to keep themselves and their children alive. And capitalism and and American dreamism and that kind of shit skews some of um, some things that we all need. Like we all need money, mm-hmm. but it it the, the story is that um, it's a virtuous thing that you're being rewarded by God, by your community. So it's why we look at Bill Gates the way we do. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that um, there's things about him lately that have come out that like we don't. But for the <laughs> longest time, it was like, wow, he has a nonprofit. You're like, <laughs> yeah, if I had a billion dollars, my lo- my lawyers and my accountants would also make me have a nonprofit. <laughs> like that. It's well, just simple okay, accounting. This, this gets to the heart <laughs> of, I think, a lot of personal coaching is like, is it to make you a better person or is it to make you more successful like as a business, no person, idea. Right? I could not figure that out for the life of me. Well, because like I, I think the idea is like you, if you become a better person, you'll become a better business person. If you become exactly. a better business person, you'll become a better person. Like that, they're intertwined right. in that way. Yes, yes, yes. That's yeah. It's really hard to suss that out. Like most of the measures of success that I saw on websites or in talking to people, most of the measures of success in in terms of what the life coaches think are looks, you know, like mm-hmm. your aesthetic yeah. improving, your job productivity, performance, um, doing more in less time, mm-hmm. your income. Like I rarely see anything that's just like, man, she just got so chill. <laughs> <laughs> she just was like, Whereas I really do happy. think like a therapist is oftentimes very good at like you need to figure out what's important to you and prioritize mm-hmm. and let go of things that are holding you back in terms of like being the person that you want to be. And quit telling yourself a story yes. about like how horrible everything is and all of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I got a little bit of that through my life coaching mm. because I was really specific in my ask yep. about what I wanted. I wanted to move my body more. I wanted, you know, there were like things I really needed help getting motivated to do. But even in that scenario, and I, I love Jesse to death, but even in that scenario, like my weight was a measure mm. of how successful she was. Yeah. Like the way I looked, like she would greet me at the door and be like, hey, you know, because mm-hmm. I right. lost a couple pounds or whatever. And I'm just like, that's not the point to me. <laughs> yeah. And all. also wrapped up in like all of these fat phobic ideas about like a good yeah. person is a skinny person. Um, yep. The other thing that I like that this question made me think of is that there's really interesting research, productivity research, that about how during times of, like, economic crisis, people mm-hmm. turn to, in, like, the 1970s and 1980s, it was productivity books. And then during mm-hmm. the financial crisis, it was productivity apps. Mm-hmm. And so, oh. <laughs> I like, it makes sense to me that maybe in this moment that there's a surge in, like, trying to find essentially these coaches who are trying to optimize you as a person in some ways, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. We have to... Ah, I just want everyone to just fucking relax. Like, we are obsessed with squeezing every ounce of energy and ambition and work and productivity, like you're talking about, out of every person all the time. Like, 
it makes me depressed. I have a 10-year-old and like the amount of homework that she has. I'm just like, yeah. this is not leaving time for play or TV, nope. which are important. Very important things. <laughs> no, honestly, like, a like t- for better or for worse, like TV's TV great. is a way that you learn about how story, like the stories that we. It's also so hypocritical that my friends who make TV here in LA, yeah. who make it and write it and love it and star in it and watch it at night and when the kids go to bed, like the screen time bullshit of like <laughs> my kids can't watch TV because they're exceptional humans and like if they oh were to God. watch a television screen, they'd get stupid and it's like, well, they're going to be stupid for other reasons because you're acting stupid <laughs> because you love TV. <laughs> yes. But yeah, but even like a 10-year-old is is being wrung dry, right? you know, of like what are you capable of and did you – exert all of the energy you could and not necessarily in good ways you know mm-hmm. um no and i exhausting. think there's another question that we're gonna like just fold into this that's specifically mm-hmm. about like how much of this is about optimization of all things like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think if you have a friend or a peer or you see someone on linkedin who's like i love this like i've had an incredible experience with this coach anyone who's talking about it right and whether they're mm-hmm. MLM oriented and thus talking about it publicly because they want to rope you in or just like talking about it, it makes you feel like, oh, is that something that I'm not doing? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, or is totally. that yet yeah, another yeah. thing that I should be doing but am not doing in my life to make me an, an optimized person? I have to turn that stuff off 100 times a day. Like, yeah. oh, I didn't post a TikTok today or I didn't, <laughs> you know, like dumb shit like that. Like, yep. I didn't respond to all my emails or you know, I don't have inbox zero. Like, Fuck. I have inbox 52,000. Same. But it smacks me in the face every morning mm-hmm. when I look at my phone. Like, what a piece of shit I am because I have so many unread emails, you know? Then <laughs> that's a construct. We've totally made that up. That's not a real thing. I, I don't feel no. guilty about the amount of junk mail I get. I get mad at the mailman. Like, I've asked you to not leave these flyers for the grocery store here. But... I'm not like, oh, that reflects poorly on me. You're like, oh, my gosh, I have another L.L. Bean catalog. Like, that doesn't make Uh me feel like a failure as a person. But your email does when you're not at inbox zero because we've constructed this idea of inbox zero, meaning you're an optimized person and then you're the most efficient and you're really taking care of things. Yep. It's all pretend. (laughs) Are women more vulnerable to this and to coaching just generally? With MLMs, for sure. But that's like... By design, because MLMs allow you to work from home, and yeah, they allow you to work from home. They kind of like play into all of the women's traditional roles as people who are not supposed to have like serious careers outside of the house. Um, Life coaching, no, I think all are welcome. Yeah, (laughs) like anyone who lives here, anyway. I don't think it's like a worldwide problem the way MLMs are. I wonder if life coaching is like an outlet for. Let's say you're a dude and you're entering a a career transition or a place where, like, historically men would have midlife crises. And now Mm -hmm. the very sanctioned place where you can seek advice and guidance during that period of figuring out who you are and where you want to be is through something like a life coach. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it used to be, like, going to the gym. Yeah, I mean that's still a thing. Like buying getting a, a car. CrossFit, yeah, getting into buying CrossFit. a new car exactly 100%. to work on, um, and yeah, as long as there are people going through that stuff, yeah, who need a little kick in the ass, like life coaches will be employed. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so this is a no bullshit ad. This is like stuff that I actually support. Melissa and Jonathan Nightingale from Raw Signal Group are my go-to experts for all things management at work. And I actually really mean this. You can see evidence of it in the fact that they are quoted extensively in the book that I wrote about the future of work. Uh, They're all over the Culture Study newsletter. And we had both of them on several times to work appropriate to talk about the future of work. They have helped thousands of bosses around the globe get more clarity, more confidence, more calm, less anxious, less chaos, less of that weird eye-twitching thing. Their next online program kicks off soon. So if you are ready to get on top of your management practice, you can use the promo code CULTUREstudy to take 10% off your registration. To find out more, go to worldsbestmanagementtraining.com. If you're interested in advertising with our podcast, you can just send us an email at culturestudypodcast at gmail.com. All right. So we got several questions about the role coaches play and what their credentials are. Okay. And Melody's going to read this one for us. I have a lot of questions about personal coaching, specifically life coaches. I should say I'm a psychologist, so I'm obviously biased in the direction of a need for specific expertise and credentialing. I think my questions would be, one, if you found life coaching and therapy useful, what is the difference between life coaching and therapy? When would you recommend life coaching and when therapy? Two, should life coaching be regulated? How? Three, one of my many concerns about life coaching is that it tends to pull for coaches I've been friends with to basically market their own lives as aspirational, like, I'll coach you to live the life I'm living, because that's what grounds their experience. And it seems very unhealthy for the people trying to market themselves. How can this be avoided? So I know some life coaches who do not want, who actually have therapy, like have psychology degrees, Mm. but don't want to get licensed because they don't want to step into that part of the world. So I think that that's something to consider um, in the difference, because I think people who have like all of the credentials, but not the license can be really great life coaches. Yeah. Another difference is that um, mental health is still very, um, you know, mental illness is still really stigmatized. Mm -hmm. So you can get a life coach that will help you as much as a therapist, but they're called a life coach Mm -hmm. and you're not in therapy. So I think for people who aren't comfortable with the idea of going to therapy or self-identifying as someone with a mental illness or with a deficiency, instead get to turn it into, I'm just trying to be the best me that I can be and they don't have to feel the shame around that. And like I said, I don't think that's a good thing. Like I think that's a thing we need to fix in society. But if it helps those people, then good for them. The other thing I would say in addition to that, which I do think that like therapy is kind of like the the conversation around therapy with younger generations has shifted somewhat to I'm just trying to be a better me, right? Like I just want to – but – You know, scheduling and finding a therapist is so freaking hard. And they're so expensive. And we're not even, you know, we're not like in network, out of network, has room in their schedule, accepting patients will even return your email. Like it is really, Mm -hmm. really hard. Super bills, Um, all that stuff. Oh my gosh. And, you know, I think what the contrast to me is almost similar to what I've seen happening in the physical therapy slash personal training realm where lots of physical therapists now they don't accept insurance like they'll give you a super bill that may or may not work with your insurance but like those people what they want to do is like one-on-one coaching with you 
And if you can mm-hmm. pay that money, right, if you can pay the weekly or the monthly or the biweekly, whatever, you can get in pretty much when you want. You don't have to go right. through a lengthy referral process. And But I think that the therapists who are very, very busy and not taking new patients would say that's because I'm good at my job. Right. And there's no evidence that this life coach you're going to is, you know, if, if they're just like, Bring, oh, I'll be right there, then like some people would say that shows you that like they're not slammed. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. No, that's totally true. <laughs> Whereas I think maybe they might be like, the reality might be more that if they are a person who takes insurance, then they don't get paid very much per client, right? right. And so they have to take a ton of clients in order to pay their bills. Yeah. Whereas uh, someone who is charging more and doesn't mm-hmm. take insurance can have fewer clients and more time right. for them. Right. And like, I, I, I don't think either of these scenarios is a good scenario, to be clear. But no, I think no, no. that that is why part of why people turn to life coaches is it's easier like you just get in touch it is and easier. Like, it's like they're yeah the it. barrier to entry but then it gets me thinking about a couple other things which yeah. is multi-level marketing and wellness so <laughs> multi-level marketing yes, okay yeah, it's, yeah no <laughs> no barrier to entry there you know yeah. like if you need to get a get a quote get a job mm-hmm. like you can get a job with Amway tomorrow. It's not yeah. a job, <laughs> but they'll tell you it is. And yeah. you don't have to have a high school diploma. You don't have to have a green card. You don't have to, you know, you can just go for 99 bucks, become a small business owner is what yep. they're saying. Wellness also, you don't have to like find the best um, oncologist for the specific cancer you have. Just drink this juice. What are you doing? It's just that simple. Um and so I think like the shortcut that like um, – and I'm just talking from like the client's perspective or like yeah. the consumer's perspective. We we have to be careful about these, you know, shortcuts, these cheat mm-hmm. codes to, to stuff and make sure we're vetting people. Yeah. Because it is a lot easier to just call up a life coach you found on Yelp. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not how I found my life coach, but I called a bunch of them. And they were like, yeah, it's just $1,000. It's only $1,000. And I'm like, if I was desperate, you know, I mm-hmm. like, I'd be like, okay, great. You have time you have in your schedule. You can just be here right now, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and it feeds into this idea that if you just pay for something, like if you pay for a, a one-month course, right? Mm-hmm. If you pay for this package, if you mm-hmm. just buy something, it will fix your problems. And you can yeah. put that thing on your credit card because it will fix your problems. Yes. And that's not how it works ever. <laughs> no. But I think it is appealing just in terms of the way that we've like come to understand how problems can be solved or how much time we can allocate to solving a problem, which is none. Mm-hmm. None. Um, so you got to throw money at it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if that money's not yours. What about the part of this question that is dealing with like <laughs> life coaches who are just trying to encourage people to live like them and the problem like the 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 weaknesses in that paradigm i think yeah so i'm thinking of a couple i have a few people in mind who have pretty sweet lives and are life coaches that i know but their lives aren't sweet because of anything having to do with like their manifestation journal or yeah, like <laughs> yeah. their mindset or neuro-linguistic programming or it feels like a way of monetizing yeah. um, 
their life that kind of already exists. Like I don't really know of one. Like Teddy Mellencamp is somebody I talk about all the time. Yeah. She's John Cougar Mellencamp's daughter, and she's a life coach here in L.A. And she lives on, you know, the coast somewhere in Malibu and is like has a gorgeous family and um, the best fillers. She just got a new round of fillers, too. She looks so good right now. But now she's like doing reporting for extra, which I think is kind of cheap. But whatever. Um, Teddy Mellencamp. She will prop herself up as somebody like – you could have everything I have. And it's like, no, I'm not a melon camp. I can't. Like, yeah. and no amount of me wanting it is going to make me your dad's daughter. Like, right. That well, just or, isn't. Or, or you can't be Oprah. Like, no. No. There, we have an Oprah. We're good. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we have an Oprah. We have a Tony Robbins. I mean, there's only so much room at the top, right? So I think it's, I think it's this trend of again, monetizing every single part of our lives because you have to squeeze all the juice out. Mm -hmm. It's why there are influencers. It's why, you know, why people make money on TikTok and, you know, with just showing their everyday life and like putting stuff on credit cards to make their houses look really nice. Um, Scary. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that there are situations that a life coach is particularly not equipped to handle? Like if someone needs... If someone's marriage is falling apart, does is can a life coach be helpful with that? I think so. Yeah, I think a good life coach. You know, like I think yeah. someone well intentioned who. I, again, there there can be zero difference between a life coach and a therapist, other than the license. Like that exists. There mm-hmm. are people that, for whatever reason, don't have a license but have all the training, and have good references, and you know have had a lot of experience, um, and can really help. I also think sometimes we get absorbed by our romantic relationships and Mm. and having a life coach or just prioritizing your own time or, you know, like trying to do some self-improvement can really help in in a lot of areas where we feel like we're out of control of our lives. Like taking the step to gain back some control Mm -hmm. can be really helpful. And sometimes that's just getting a life coach and sitting down with a notebook once a week and brainstorming with them how to, you know, make your life better. I think all of that is possible. Areas where I think they aren't helpful i guess i would just you know if they're again if they're trying to recruit you mm-hmm. if they're like selling a program mm-hmm. for you to get a stamp on a piece of paper I, I think that that's like obviously a kind of scam and they can't give you like they can't prescribe medicine like they no, no, can't no. you know anything where no. you were like dealing with Mental clinical illness, diagnoses like, in yeah. some capacity, mm-hmm. mental diagnoses in some capacity. They can't. They can, you know, work with you the same way that a therapist who wasn't able to subs- prescribe. Well, medicine. but I mean, down to get into the minutia. But like, if that life coach is good, they tell you to go to a psychiatrist. Right, right. You know, um, and so that's the that's the like fine line. Like, okay, right. Yeah, if that's what gets your foot in the door to a psychiatrist, then great. That you got a good mm-hmm. life coach, but. Yeah. There are plenty of bad ones who are just going to be like, buy my course. <laughs> just like <laughs> what's that Brian Jordan Alvarez, Marnie character? <laughs> you know that guy? <laughs> Marnie is like, son of a middle ass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if, yeah. you, if you get Marnie vibes, run. <laughs> if you always feel like this person is trying to make you sign up for something, yeah, <laughs> that that is a good sign. <laughs> or that they are not, they don't necessarily have you becoming a better person as their right. primary goal. 
Uh, okay, our next question is about how coaches and clients determine success and results. Mm. This is from Molly, and our producer Melody is going to read it for some obvious reasons. My boyfriend is a coach, a business coach, so not quite life coaching. Before I met him, I was very skeptical about the coaching industry. It has such a scammy connotation to me. I've hit him with the hard questions, and I respect his business model a lot, but I struggle with articulating what a quote-unquote good coach is versus a scammy, cult of personality-esque, abstract life coaching model. Many of his clients have very concrete results, like more income, fewer hours of work, etc., but some of the results are just that they feel better or feel transformed. How do you assess the efficacy of an industry whose metric of success seems to amount to good vibes? She needs to leave him right now. <laughs> That's my main thought is this relationship is donezo. Get out of there. You don't like him. I mean, you're into him because he's bad. You know, like he's got yeah. like, some bad vibes or whatever, and you don't understand him. But you have an icky feeling from the beginning. Don't be in that relationship. Okay, back uh, to the question. Right. No, that's so true. If like the thing that your partner does gives you a little bit of an icky vibe and you're trying to talk yourself out of but it. This and is you've the, like, this yeah. is the advice we're giving this entire episode, though, is yeah. like trust your gut. Like yeah. the cost of being wrong you know, and like leaving a good man or a good life coach because you get an icky vibe. The cost of being wrong is always less than the cost of being right that you are getting scammed, right? Yeah. That you yeah. are with the wrong person. So I think it is about vibes in that it's a vibe check thing. Like if you're feeling safe, if you're feeling cared for, if you're feeling like this is, you know, legitimate, yeah, then go ahead and keep doing it and, and feel happy with the quote unquote results. But I don't know. I think she needs to go. So in, in in season one, like you could point to the MLMs, like be like, okay, this is how much like people are sinking into this, right? And like mm -hmm. how much money they are losing. There mm -hmm. was very clear evidence, like a case to be made about these. With personal coaching, like you can't be like, oh, this person who paid for a personal coach, they got some good vibes. How do we understand? I think that that's on the coaches. You know, not on the client. Yeah. So, for example, like, I haven't heard of this happening a ton, but I do know of it happening, of people getting fired by their therapist yeah, for just being unwilling to, like, do the work, yep. um, being unwilling to be honest, making it. So I do know of some specific examples, like, just using the therapist as a kind of punching bag, you know, somebody to throw your anger at. Um, and those can be kind of abusive relationships. And mm -hmm. it's really on the professional in that situation to say, I'm drawing the line here. This is yeah. not working for either of us. I don't want to keep taking your money. Yep. Um, and you need to go somewhere else. And I think for her boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, uh, <laughs> I would say if he's feeling like someone's just like pouring more money in but the results are only that like they like it like mm. he needs to check with himself if he's okay with that right like i would charge people to hang out with me if i thought that was okay <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, they but think i'd be disgusted with myself you know well, but like being with me is a good time that's i will where brighten up your day <laughs> i think this is how it's why it's so hard 
to find like to ascertain like who's a good life coach because a really yeah. good life coach is constantly asking those questions right yeah they are doing mm-hmm. the life coaching on themselves yeah. and or they're mm-hmm. seeing a life coach who is asking them hard questions the way that therapists right. also see therapists right like yes they are interrogating and i think that you know so few people in life just generally do that yeah and if you're just doing this because you're an encouraging positive person and it's a then, paycheck and it's a paycheck you probably aren't also doing all of that other hard work that is protecting you from exploiting others be a bartender yeah be a bartender i mean you can be charming you can impact people's lives you can help people feel better you can make great tips you can get paid based on your personality all that stuff but don't be like a a therapist adjacent. And again, I don't know. I don't trust this guy. Like the fact that he's not thinking about this and talking to her in a way that satisfies her curiosity about his career is like. Right. I the, the other flag for me and Molly, take, you know, we don't know your life. We know just this question, but take the So is the the way she articulates versus a scammy cult of personality as abstract life coaching model. Like she knows what she's she's seen some part oh, yeah. of that. Right? Like yes. she perceives yes. it. She has language to describe that component. Yes. And sometimes it's hard when someone you love is working in an industry where there are a lot of bad actors because oh, yeah. they are made to I've dated answer. rappers. I know. <laughs> they are made to answer for the entire and industry. And comedians. Wait a minute. And stand up comedians. <laughs> I was an academic and now I'm a journalist. Like, it's just, um, but sometimes they should be made to answer for the, the, the ills yeah. of the entire community because they are they are part of that. They are doing that. So I think that's the question that she needs to take a look at. Yeah. The question was not should I break up my boyfriend, but we have we we have given you some advice there, <laughs> <laughs> or at least some questions that you can ask him as follow up yeah, questions. Like just if you know he might not have the answer you want to hear, but like, yeah, don't ask us. Go ask him. You yeah, know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And he should be game to talk about this stuff. I. Not to go back to the rapper stuff, but I did once date someone who had a um, some album art out that had a an objectifying photo of a woman on it. Uh huh. I wasn't the only one to say something, but I was like, "Do we really need to do this?" And he changed his mind, and he changed it. Yeah. And we talked about it, and he was like, "I just thought it was funny," and I was like, "It was funny." And <laughs> you have fans that are in their teens, you know, like that don't yeah. understand why it's funny. Um, get rid of it, and he did. So. You, if you can have those kind of conversations, maybe she can have a sort of life coachy conversation yeah. with her life coach boyfriend about maybe, like yeah. priorities always, and like yeah. and and mm-hmm. how he ascertains like success with his clients and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. I just like I I appreciate that she says I'm trying to hit him with the hard questions. Like yeah, mm-hmm. hit him with more. Keep asking yeah. them until he answers in a way that's satisfying to you. And if yes. it's not, then that's that's a signal right there. Then he's a WhatsApp legend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Um, Jay Marie, this has been such an honor, such a pleasure. I have been a fan since, what is it, 2011? The I've been a fan old, of yours for that long. Ye good old days of the hairpin. Um, mm-hmm. You gave me pedicure advice once, and every time I give myself a pedicure, I remember it. So, oh, that's uh, sweet. Where can people find you if they want more Jane Marie on the internet? So I'm I'm old, so I actually have the same handle everywhere because I've been an early adopter of all the socials. Uh-huh, <laughs> so uh-huh, it's yep. it's C, it's S as in Sam, E-E, 
Jane Marie, like C. Jane Run, on all the socials. Um, my podcast is called The Dream, and I have the book Selling the Dream, which is coming out March 12th. I don't know if you've talked about this before on your various platforms, but it matters a lot <laughs> that you get pre-orders. Yeah. Yeah, like the publishers are like amount. It's like and the first like, week. It's all that matters. <laughs> it's all that matters, and yes. it doesn't matter when the pre-orders happen. Like I think they're cumulative, so it's like mm-hmm. okay, between now and March twelfth. Anyway, I really need people to pre-order it, or it's going to be a flop. And I've promised my daughter that we're going to see it at Hudson News. So. Um, <laughs> Don't make me a liar. Go pre-order my book, Selling the Dream by Jane Marie, by me. It's about pyramid schemes. It's um, it's a romp, and then it's really serious, and then it's sad, and then it's a romp again. You'll enjoy it, hopefully. Um, there's even an index. I wrote <laughs> you know, a book with an index. That's how you know it's a serious shit. What? What was I thinking? Anyways, um, no, that's where people can find me. All right. Thank you so much. I cannot recommend The Dream highly enough. So please go pre-order the book and go listen to all three seasons of the podcast and especially the new one. Okay, paid subscribers, stick around for Ask Anne Anything. This question is a combo of two things that I know a lot about, academia and the feeling that freelancing and like putting together money, like that you just never have enough, basically precarity. So stick with us. We're going to answer that question. Thank you so much for listening to the Culture Study Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We have so many great episodes in the works, and I promise you don't want to miss any of them. If you want to suggest a topic, ask a question about the culture that surrounds you, or submit a question for our subscriber-only advice time segment, check the show notes for a link to our Substack. Now, if you want to support the show and get bonus content, head to culturestudypod.substack.com. It's five bucks a month or $50 a year, and you'll get ad-free episodes, an exclusive advice time segment, weekly discussion threads for each episode, and a link to our special Google form so that your questions go to the front of the line. You also get the knowledge that you're paying for stuff that you really like in the world, and you make this podcast sustainable. Right now, we've made enough to pay Melody through, I think, the end of March, early April, maybe (laughs) mid-April. So if you want to keep this podcast sustainable, become a subscribing member today. The Culture Study Podcast is produced by me, Anne Helen Peterson, and Melody Rowell. Our music is by Poddington Bear. You can find me on Instagram at Anne Helen Peterson, the show at Culture Study Pod, and Melody at Melodious47. 